welcome everybody back to the Eat Wild Podcast. And this is going to be a fun episode because uh, if you've been following along, you've listened to episode one and two of the Pole Bender Cassiar Adventure. And it, no doubt you, you've been hanging out with Clay, Alex, and Ryan and I um, while we've uh, set out on this ambitious hunt where we're going to make a movie and um, in the most beautiful wilderness in British Columbia, we were going to shoot all kinds of critters and talk about our adventures. And and instead, we ended up spending what turned out to be seven days in a tent uh, waiting for what amounted to a rescue, I guess, or the flight to come in, depending on how dramatic you want to be about it. So here we are. We're, we're actually over a year and a half. I think it's a year and a half later, like, well, a year later at the tail end of hunting season in uh, 2020, our trip was a 2019 and there's a whole world of things have happened here in the past year, but we thought it'd be fun to roll out the podcast, which you've just listened to. And then we thought it'd be fun to reconnect as a team. We did do kind of a wrap up podcast while we were on the road coming back from the adventure. And, and, but of course we were, traveling on the highway and the uh, audio quality just wasn't really good enough for us to use and regardless we thought it'd be fun to come back to this this now and there's and there's and there's good reason to do that because uh clay our, our our writer and and the academic amongst us here is uh has put together an article for bc outdoors magazine and uh it's telling the story of the pole bender adventure and uh, we thought it'd be fun to sort of roll out this series of podcasts while that article is is doing the rounds so that's what we're doing here so hopefully this will be a bit of fun and uh do some reflections on the trip and fill in some of the gaps and tell you how things wrapped up for us so all right well let's get to it so welcome back ryan how you doing i'm doing fantastic just chilling in the okanagan here downstairs in the basement next to my wood stove dogs are kicking it beside me so life's good Right on. Do it, just, just doing COVID in style, hey? COVID in style. Right on, man. Well, well, thanks for doing this. Great to have you back. Hey, Clay, how you doing? What's what's going on with you? Where are you at? How was your hunting season? Uh, yeah, I'm doing so good, Dylan. It's always great to see you and connect with the E-Wild crew. Um, I'm out in uh, Vancouver Island here in Nanaimo doing um, doing great. I got quite a bit of days in field this year hunting blacktail and um, had a great uh, moose hunting adventure with Ryan and team. Um and, and excited to re- revisit this journey. As you said, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to tell a little bit of, of this story for uh, uh, upcoming issue of BC Outdoors. And it was just a joy to be able to backtrack through uh, so much content that we had accumulated through the through the you know year or more that we planned this trip. So I'm um, talking about photographs and ultimately film footage and maps and uh, a, a film pitch, a documented safety plan, um, field notes. So it was a lot. Of, it was a lot to go back through. So it's really cool to be able to uh, close the circle as a as a crew and um, and think more about um, filling those gaps and uh, talking about how much fun it was. So thanks for yeah, thanks cool, for having me. man. Yeah. So of course, so you were doing this as research for the article that you were doing. Yeah. That, that, that's right. Yeah, the trip, the trip, um, the, uh, the the trip for me represents, you know, an an adventure that um, that has a story. So we talked lots on the front end and in the earlier podcasts about what you know what that story was and 
Um, of course, we have all our, our, our ideas and hopes and dreams, like every every crew going on every expedition, going on every hunt, and uh, what you sort of what we what we planned and what we thought um, wasn't exactly what happened. And uh, it would be fun to talk about that today. Right on, Clay. Well, glad glad you're here, and and uh, nice to see you. Hey, Alex, how you doing? How's your hunting season, Alex? Yeah, well, thanks, Dill. It's good to see you guys too. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty good season hunting wise for us in Kamloops here, uh, looking for deer, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I mean, thinking about a year and three months ago and hanging with you guys, that was a real pleasure. You know, it was a 12 day adventure from door to door essentially. And, um, you know, I was the camera guy, uh, pretty new to hunting, but, uh, it was an amazing experience, like from start to finish essentially. So yeah, it's nice to sort of uh, reminisce about it, I guess, tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've got a, a fair bit. So I think with the format of this, what we'll do is we'll kind of fill in, um, our, 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 our audience on what, you know, what happened after. So, so we basically checked in with, we, we recap day, uh, we recapped after day two and that was after our, our goat hunt, our, our goat hunting opportunities that, uh, that didn't work out. And then, I think the storm hit us. That was day three, which we didn't get to. We were tent bound from day three. And then we eventually put together, um, it was 72 hours of winds and snow. And so we were hold, like we, we were held out completely and kind of, and the, the podcast kind of relays just, you know, holding down the tent, uh, reacting constantly to whatever was going to happen next and kind of constantly just, uh, on edge, on alert, on point, just trying to manage. And that, that period was about 70 hours. And then we, if finally the winds kind of just backed off to like, you know, just a light gusty 35 to 40 knots that was much more pleasant. And, uh, we were able to like settle in a little bit and, and that's when we, we did the second podcast was during a little bit of a lull in the storm. But, um, and at the time, like we, I think we had, we had figured there'd be about four or five more days of weather coming in. Now, maybe not. I don't, I think, does anybody remember like did the winds pick back up again and kick our ass again? Or, or do you, does anybody remember what the weather was like moving past that, that, that sort of day five rolling into the next several days? I don't recall the wind ever being as bad as it was like it was for those first 70 hours or so. But we would just get socked in constantly. We'd get like this little bit of light would shine through the tent and our eyes would light up and we'd open the tent and look out. And, oh, my God, there's a hole in the sky. Like maybe call the pilot and see what's going on. And then just as fast as it came, it was gone again and socked right into zero visibility and dreary snow coming down. And Yeah, 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 for sure. I, you know, it was interesting. So, so there's a lot of interesting, like in retrospect on the storm, but we sort of, I, I remember sort of thinking, okay, this is like maybe 70 to 80 kilometer an hour winds. I, like, I was kind of guessing, like I, I, I know, I know gale force winds. So it's a 35, uh, clo- 35 knots, I believe is a gale force wind on the West coast. And I, and I've been out in a gale before and it's, it's strong and scary, but what we were dealing with was significantly higher. And turns out that like, uh, I, I did some research. It turns out that the, the the winds were gusting to like seventy five to eighty knots during that storm in the area that we were. So it's like one hundred and twenty, 
kilometer an hour winds um, in in parts of northern BC during that storm. So I assume where we were as well, which is which are, which are hurricane force winds, which I which is not entirely surprising given some of the video footage that we had after the fact. So not pretty scary for sure. The other thing that was interesting, uh, well, okay, well we will we can go there. I guess we'll just go there. So the other thing that was interesting is that like we weren't the only ones. Do you remember we were we we talked about the fate of of the two guys that were uh, that we saw like like three or four kilometers away climbing up into the mountains, and we were like they're climbing up the mountains in a little pup tent, and then we were like after two days of sitting in the snow and wind, we we're like what would happen to those guys? So we. we so we ended up um, checking in with the pilots. They they got out. So they it turns out they had scurried down the mountain back to their base camp on the lake, or there's actually a cabin on the lake, which they they weathered out the storm in a cabin. It might have been the guide outfitters' cabin or something. So those guys made it out. So if anybody was wondering what happened to those guys, they're good. But as I came back and I told this story around, like you know, in in my circles about what had happened to us. I, a, a number of people had epic stories about what happened in the storm. And uh, I re- actually met a guy uh, while I was elk hunting uh, later that year. And he, he had been in the, in the storm. And he actually, he had this incredible story of like shooting a ram in uh, not too far from where we were. And, and having, being kind of hopelessly un- un- unprepared and just about dying. And there was a, like miraculously a little weather window that allowed for a helicopter to come in and pluck him off the mountain. And otherwise like he was, he just didn't, he just wasn't going to make it out. Um, so that was, that was a pretty wild story and near death experience. And then another friend of mine, um, she was on an adventure and, and uh, I actually would like to get her on the podcast to tell the story. And I, so I'll just tell it in very broad strokes cause it's, it's a pretty wild, well, it made it's a pretty sad, tail because ended up she had gone in on a horseback hunt with uh into the northern rockies with a friend with her horses and um had a team of horses and they had a a bit of a wreck when they were crossing the river and the horses kind of got all dispersed and running around and just as that storm hit and next thing you know there's like snow and wind and her and her buddy ended up just taking shelter under a tarp with whatever gear they could salvage from the horses running around after the after the wreck they had crossing the river and um anyways it 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 ended up that she she ended up getting out her hunting partner did not get out she got back to the highway and was uh was rescued and he didn't make it out so that storm definitely like had significant consequences for a number of people just just in my small world and and I, in talking to some of my park ranger buddies up north, there was a few other stories that that you know people like us doing what you know on a summer adventure ended up you know facing the perils of a winter storm and in the middle of August. So, so pretty substantial stuff. So, anyways, I got DV. I kind of went on a tangent there, but might just add to some context of the severity of what we went through. And it was the one thing I, I just I just listened to the podcast number two ahead of this to sort of get prepared and i was like we sound really nonchalant about what had gone on and and uh I, i'm i'm curious like you know like maybe clay like i'll just go to you like like we were super nonchalant at the time but like now that you're 
when you got home to your family, like what what was what was going on for you when you got home for your family? And what were you feeling? Like uh, like in, in retrospect or even looking back on it a year from now, what 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 is the more pronounced feeling you might have? Man, I, I think you sort of nailed it. For me, I'm, I'm re- I truly am still sort of processing that adventure and trying to understand the difference between um, being well prepared and uh, more or less comfortable in an emergency situation and um, trying to understand like the, the actual gravity of that situation without being too dramatic about it. But like as we talked about when we were in the tent and even just contemplating what it's like to be wet in a cold environment when you can't get dry. Uh, we, you know, we all agree that you can for sure die, die from that as a statement of fact um, to not, you know, not, not to, um, not to, not to be dramatic at all. And we know that the same is true for that, that event that we experience in, in different circumstances, or if we were a little bit less prepared, uh, that could have gone, gone the other way for us. Um, just like we're hearing uh, other, other folks out weathering that same storm had a different experience. So coming back to my family, I think there's, there's always the inclination to, um, you know, broadcast the message of preparedness and safety and that, you know, we, we do, we do in fact get a lot of joy out of these trips, but, uh, you know, there's that part of me in, in the, at the back of my head that knows that, um, if, you know, a few, a few change, a few minor details in that situation, if we, if we weren't able to anchor and hold in the TP and if we were, we were left to, to just our little tents, um, you, you change any one or two things and it may be a very, very different story. So certainly have the highest respect for, for the natural world and, and came away feeling very, very small. Um, and so I, I carry that with me, you know, this, this season and I'll, I'll never forget it. That's for sure. I was thinking about you, Ryan. And, uh, I, I remember there was a kind of a point where I was like, you know, I, I, I don't have, I don't have a family and I, and I, but I was really looking at Ryan and I was like, wow, you're really like, this is intense what you're going through right now. And just, uh, do you want to walk me through what, what that was for you? There was a, there's a, I don't know if you remember where I'm really leading it, but like just that the experience of being isolated from your family and just really wanting to go home. There was a moment there where I was like, I thought I was pretty profound was watching you kind of go through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, of course, you always miss your family when you're going to be gone for an extended period of time. But when I've been on lots of sort of multi-day hunting trips or work trips or whatever they may be. But when you're busy, you sort of keep your mind occupied and you're having fun because you're chasing caribou or you're chasing sheep and your your days are filled with a lot of other stuff going on but you know after those initial 70 hours when we were on our toes the whole time it had lulled enough that we weren't sort of on point and you're just sort of tent bound sitting there hanging out with you guys which is great but it leaves a lot of time just to think as well right and you sort of have that after adrenaline after that adrenaline dump we had after those 70 hours you sort of just sort of are there just in your thoughts there a little bit without other stuff to sort of keep you occupied. So yeah, you kind of are reflecting on a little bit of the disappointment that the hunt's a bit of a wash and, and then you start sort of sometimes go down that road of missing people that are important to you. And you sort of, yeah, get to a point on that trip where you're feeling really sad and kind of missing your family. And there was certainly a point there. I remember the one day I called Judy on the sad phone to let her know everything was okay. And yeah, it was, it was sad talking to her on the other end, knowing it might be a few more days before we get out. Yeah, that was intense. I just remember just seeing how 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 much pain you were feeling there. It was it was intense for sure. Um, so Alex, I'm I'm thinking about so we, so Ryan led on to our, like our lull there. Like uh, we had a, a longer lull 
I think it was four days of lulling. And uh, what are, can you walk us through some of, some of the, you know, the, the, the broad strokes of how we coped, what life looked like during our four, four days of lulling around in the tent in whiteout conditions? Yeah, I mean. Post-storm, post-storm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for starters, it wasn't much of a tent. It was like, it was a perfect teepee, but there's not a lot of room, man. There's not a lot of hanging out. And the funny part with us and that storm was setting up the little, the bivy tents within the teepee. That, I thought that was pretty classic. It was very alpinist of us for sure. Um, like basically a, a bivy within the cabin, essentially. I think I'll talk about the storm quickly here. Just in that, I think we were set up in a good location. And I think that really helped us. Like looking back on it, like what Clay said, I haven't thought about the trip for you know, several months, but I think, I think we were set up in a good position to sort of like, um, not live with, live in comfort during that storm. But, you know, I, I felt secure the whole time, especially with Ranger Ryan amongst us for sure, (laughs) being, being the crusher of, of the sort of the graveyard shift. (laughs) Um, so yeah, having like, having, a great crew for sure. And, and, and dealing with the, with the, the, that, especially that one night of, of storm weather, um, and, and our location. Um, I think we did everything right, you know, and, and, and we didn't lose the main tent, which was, which was a huge, a huge win for sure. And then sort of that lull after the storm and there being too much snow to kind of really go comfortably too far. I mean, yeah, that's when you wish there was more snow and you had your skis and you could go ski touring or climbing or something because it's, oh, man. you know, like it's just kind of that sweet spot where you're not able to go ski touring uh, and there's just too much, you know, too much rock essentially. But um, there was still a lot of life and, and sort of like vibrance down at the lake there. I mean, it was beautiful. We tried fishing again, you know, uh, several times with less luck, I think, just because even the fish were spooked. But um you know, I, I mean, we watched that documentary, the OJ Simpson story <laughs> on an iPhone and watched whatever. It was like like 11 hours of documentary and it, we were into it. I mean, that's all we had. You know, that was all that was on the iPad or the iPhone there and, and just kind of hanging out and, 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 you know, I guess connecting, you know, like just sort of just essentially killing time, really, you know. I felt like we there was almost like we were almost like in in uh in jail like it was almost like in jail a little bit and you had to like develop a routine for your mental health. So like we had like we'd get up in the morning, one of us would make um coffee or boil water and we'd pass the hot water around and uh everybody could have their cup of coffee in their tent. And then I think that we like had like documentary hour where we'd like get up and then we'd walk watch a couple hours of documentary. The, and it was the well, we had the OJ's. What was the what was the series called? The the was it Made in America? America? Yeah, yeah, Made in America. Yeah, the yeah. OJ Simpson story, which was man, that's a anyways of all places to really take in that whole story. Like it was a terrible tragedy. And you know what, um, man? I wouldn't have watched that in any other situation. I'm just glad we had it on our phone, man, because it <laughs> it really did kill some time. That guy's still a jerk, oh man, though. yeah. You guys still a jerk for sure. Um, 
but yeah, then we had to have like a physical exercise, an hour of physical exercise. We'd like, we'd all make ourselves go outside and, and like wander around in the blizzard for an hour, like either go fishing for a bit or, um, actually I, I remember the, uh, uh, Clay, do you remember the expedition to the, to get additional wood? The firewood mesh. Yeah. Yeah. That was wonderful. It was a, a really nice day. So, um, in this environment, uh, we we had the wood stove right it was a uh, important piece of equipment it was probably the most important piece of equipment that we had besides the sac communicators um, but limited wood we knew we were going to be in in the high country you know not not a t- not a ton of wood at all um, and we were we were fortunate enough to stumble stumble onto what appeared to be an old old camp or old gear cache um, and and we ended up we noted that earlier early in the trip as as smart resources and, and thinking about what's out here there's some poly out there as well that we probably could have used for a shelter if we would have if, if our if our shelters had failed but having noted that wood uh, came came a point in the trip where where we where when that stove was live we we didn't have anything to fuel it so um, as Dylan says we had to make a pretty epic what ended up being like a half day trip through the snow uh, to recover um, wood dimensional timber that we then had to cut and process into like micro size uh, logs for for this. Uh, for this stove so was, yeah that was that was quite an adventure within the adventure and um was not not a real nice day for walking around uh, no. <laughs> out in the mountains <laughs> yeah, like whole new whole new meaning to breaking trail because the guy who goes first is like they're breaking trails but they're like they're running the risk of breaking their ankle at all times so i was like you just like because because anywhere you put your foot down you could put it between two rocks and yeah so like every taking turns like breaking trail and running the risk of you know broken bones and then the rest of us shuffling behind and like can see about six feet ahead of us the whole time. That was a, uh, yeah, it was, that was fun, but it was great to get back with a pile of wood and felt a little bit more secure. We could ride out a few more days of staying warm in the tent. And I remember when I was a, like a ranger, a backcountry ranger when I was a kid, there used to be like this time where I, I do, I do these 10 day shifts and I was like 20 years old. So like not, you know, you're pretty, I'm pretty social then. So like, like being a, uh, sent into the the Carmana Valley for 10 days by myself like the first three or four days were really tough like really like deprived socially and and I and I would really struggle to like you know stay sane I guess and then after a while you figure out a routine and then like you kind of get into it you kind of like you know fall into a routine and you kind of like hanging out with yourself and and uh the days get fuller and fuller. And then I remember towards the end of the week, like I was, I was so good at being into that cycle that I was felt good about myself. I was like, Oh, I kind of like the simplicity. And I, I remember having that feeling around like day, you know, like, I don't know, it would have been like day seven or eight of the, of the hunt and day five of being tent bound. I was just kind of like, you know, it's not that often you just like life simplifies this much. And you just like, you know, wake up, drink tea, Hang out, lay around, your buddies, you know, and then get some exercise, watch some OJ Simpson. It wasn't so bad. Kind of like, I kind of enjoyed it. So, the other piece of this, though, is like we're trying to figure out, I guess, so um, how we're going to get out of there. And, uh, Ryan, what was the process for like kind of? checking in and to hoping that we're going to get out of there what, what was going on with our with our kind of comms and communication and outlook and whatnot 
Yeah, so we were sort of, you know, staying in touch with uh, Ranger Rob and Lower Mainland there, and and with the with the plane company directly via inReach, sort of on a couple times a day almost when we felt that you know the light was the clouds were opening up a little bit we'd sort of get excited and you know in reach the pilot you know it looks it's looking not bad here right now what do you think what do you think and they would sort of in reach back and say yeah it's not too bad right now but there's six other groups ahead of you so hang tight we'll be there eventually is sort of what we would keep receiving back right and then the clouds would sort of close back in on us it would get dark again and our sort of you know, hopes of that day being dashed away again by either a bunch of other guys that were worst way off or way worse off than we were at that time, sort of being prioritized to get picked up or, uh, or yeah, or just the window closing on us and them not being able to get to us. So it was just sort of this kind of, and like Clay said, we sort of had to be ready at mo- our moment's notice. So we were sort of semi-packed almost too like the non-essential gear was sort of in our bags at that point ready to go so if they did say you got to be ready in an hour we were sort of ready to go right the window was going to be so small for them to zip in there and get into that lake and pick us up and get back off before it socked in again so it was sort of this up and down sort of periodically through the days and even you know through the hours of the day where oh maybe maybe this is it that's it's opening up maybe this is our our afternoon is going to happen today and we're going to get to go home or and no, it just kind of dragged on for a few days, sort of getting bumped in line or the weather not cooperating and just sort of going back and forth with the with the company via inReach. And every time that inReach would go, our eyes would all light up and we'd grab it. And oh, no, it's a wife or it's a friend or it's a girlfriend reaching out to see what, how we're doing. So until that last day. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Before we go there, I, I, I thought there was that moment too. Like I, I know exactly what, you know, uh, Rob texted us saying, "Can you, you know, give give me a status update? How you guys doing?" And I know that Rob was like trying to gauge, like, can we survive another couple days? Like, do we? Like the pilot was asking, "Do you guys have enough food? Are you guys dry?" And Rob was kind of relaying this to us by our communication. And and on one hand, I was like, "Man, like, we, you know, we're okay." I mean, I knew we were okay. Like, we we after the storm had got passed, we had food. We were just a bit bummed and we knew that our hunt was busted um but i don't think we were going to die whereas like we kind of all knew that those guys if we were stuck on the side of the mountain in a pub tent were in need of probably rescue but i tell you there was a little bit of me that was like do i do i am i do i be completely honest with how you know that we're relatively set right now or do i just say like look get us the first flight out we need to get out of here that was a little bit of a challenge yeah, and props props to the um, you know the staff on the other end, like the the air flight staff, because they, I mean, they had like a dozen groups, right? So it, it is like it's a lot of work on their end to distinguish who's who's up next, you know. And uh, so I'm glad that we waited out a little bit longer because we were fairly comfortable for sure, other than the fact that we were ready to go home, right? So. Well, I mean, once the O.J. Simpson, you know, documentary ended, I was kind of ready to go after that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you absolutely. know, ran out of entertainment. But <laughs> hey, so Alex, do, do you remember like what that? Uh, do you remember when when things were when we got the call and we were set to go? Yeah, I mean, it happened really quick. You know, like it was probably I don't know within an hour, I guess, of 
of um, our call and, and our our pilot came in and and uh, let, let before we go there, let's just tell the story. Like the, the part that I, I remember, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we were like we kind of had things dialed in by then that like I think we had taken the tents down by then. So we were, we were comfortable enough to or at least we took them down for the day. So we had the room of the tent to hang out. And then we we build this like we take all our sleeping bags and throw the rest and we build a giant couch right ahead of like um, a documentary time. And and we'd all like we basically like grab a cup of tea, all cuddle up together in our giant couch, and like maybe get some you know chill enhancers hanging out. And uh, and uh, anyways, we we all we all tuck into the to our to our big comfy like cuddle puddle, and we'd watch these documentaries that we just we just set up and like relax. And we started a new documentary, which was really good. I don't know what it was, but. Um, and then we heard the, 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 the well, the little beep of the, and it was the Edrich device, and it was the, I don't know, I think it was Clay or some crowd that said, "Yep, yeah, pilot's coming. And I remember thinking in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I I kind of just want to chill right now. <laughs> the sun's coming out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, everyone was like, <laughs> it, it was a bit schoolboy. It was like, everyone was like, oh, my God, the parents are home. We got to get. <laughs> party's <here>. over <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's true man that's true that's true yeah that's true but uh it was time to go home for sure even with the yeah we get the call a plane's coming now there's this sort of moment where we kind of like scatter ryan you remember what was sort of it was like the plan of attack to get organized yeah it was funny i mean just to sort of you know add a little bit more i think that morning we had sort of woken up and it looked like it might have been a nice day and we were sort of hoping that the clouds would open and i think we had reached out to the pilot earlier in the in the morning and they had sort of shot us down saying it's probably not going to happen today so we had sort of reserved the fact that we were there for another day right at least and like you said settled into sort of our afternoon routine there so when that little um in reach went off and it wasn't a wife, but it was the pilot saying, we'll be there in an hour. It certainly was sort of this jump up, eyes big. I don't think our eyes had been big as big as that since the pole bender night. And quickly just started, started frantically shoving stuff into bags, really thinking, holy cow, we only got an hour to get all this stuff packed up and get it down to the side of the lake before the pilot. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember we, uh, we had a bit of a plan there. We like We left the teepee tent up to the last minute because... We tore everything down. We packed everything down to the lake, but we left the teepee up just in case the pilot had to come in and turn around. And when we eventually were talking to the pilot, they said they tried to come in and get us a couple times and had to turn around and leave. So they didn't actually contact us until they knew that they were going to be able to come around the mountain and into our valley because um, there was a number of folks. Uh, you know what? The other thing was interesting. You, you know, the... um the rookie hunters, uh, they have the rookie hunter podcast, and those guys. While we're sitting in the middle of nowhere, uh, they were sitting at the airport waiting to get out. So they're actually stuck in Dee's Lake waiting for their flight out, and they weren't not. They, we we could have quite easily ended up on their back. Uh, what do they call it? Like a, they would have flown into an area just just to the east of us, I think, and they were going to pick us up on the way out of the rookie hunters uh, flight, which is a, also a well-documented podcast adventure. Um, but uh, 
so yeah but, but meanwhile they as we as we were they were sitting around and every day they show up to the, at the air, airport at seven in the morning hoping to fly out and they sit around the airport all day and they had to do this for four or five days waiting to get out so i don't know what's worse like sitting around on d's lake trying to get out or sitting around for five days in the teepee tent hanging out with your bros in a cuddle puddle uh watching documentaries i don't know but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a huge fan of flying in in general. So anytime I get in the plane, I'm usually a, a little on edge. And so it was funny. So one of the first times of my life when I was sitting in that plane and we had finished loading up, I was sort of comfortable in the plane because I knew we were sort of on our way home and out of the mess we had sort of been in for the past few days. So I was like, well, I'm on the plane. We're on the way home. You know, this, all's good. And then we fire up the engines and start humming down the lake and probably get up to 50 miles an hour. You know getting close to takeoff speed and suddenly the whole plane just like yanks hard to to the left i think it was like somebody had thrown an anchor out the side of the plane and it just yanked over and it, it almost felt like the plane was going to flip over in the middle of the lake and just like your stomach came up into your throat and you're just like holy cow and the pilot i mean she was a great pilot she powered right down and sort of turned the plane around and went back and was, you know, trying to figure out to herself, like what the heck had just happened. Right. And they're all, our eyes are like back, you know, pole bender night size again, our eyes were back, back <laughs> to being that big again <laughs> from the first night of the storm, looking at each other in the back seat, like what the heck was that? Right. And so she circled around and was playing with some stuff and, you know, pulling some levers and all right, let's give it a whirl again. And sure enough, we get going again and, thumping down the lake and then all of a sudden wham the plane pulls hard to the left again and almost feels like it's going to flip over upside down in the lake she powers down again and then she just sort of stops the plane in the middle of the lake and just jumps out and starts climbing all over the plane and pulling on cables and yanking on stuff and figuring out i guess one rudder was was dropping and the other one wasn't so that was what was going on that it was not evenly balancing the plane at a certain speed so it was just yanking to the left so she sort of fiddled with a few things and then uh got back in the plane and sort of figured you know i think it's a bit of a crosswind and and this rudder's not going down properly um so she goes around again and it was almost like this third time's the charm sort of deal and <laughs> here we go boys hopefully it works this time and sure enough we go and this time it we're sort of going and we're all watching. And I was my, I think my knuckles were white at that point, holding on to the seat in front of me, just like <laughs> bouncing down the lake, watching the speedometer go. And I was like, okay, 40, 50 and 50 was where the sort of past couple events had happened. And we start passing that, getting up to 60, 70. I think she needed about 80 knots to actually, for the plane to get lift. So you're getting to that 70, 75 mark. And you're like, if this happens now, there's <laughs> no drop. way that the yeah. plane is going to stay upright at this speed, right? So you're just like holding on and the plane takes off. Finally, we lift up and we start getting elevation and kind of get up over the lake and turn down the valley. And I remember the pilot turned around and looked at us and she was this New Zealand, this girl from New Zealand. She turns around, and she goes, that was kind of squidgy A boys. <laughs> awesome inner flip-flops man inner flip-flops inner Total bar. Yeah, it was just yeah squidgy yes that's yes it was very squidgy <laughs> so that's awesome so clay remember i, I remember i, I listened to the pot the first podcast and it was like i was like what are we gonna tell um a story about here like you know we got we have this like, big adventure planned and like 
Yeah. Do you remember what you said in that first podcast about when I asked that question? Yeah, I kind of do. Um, I went back and reviewed some of that content as well when I was working on the write-up. And um, I, I mean, I sort of stand by those comments. We had done a ton of research um, leading up to this trip. We had you know carefully studied the maps and we had um, con- consulted with wildlife biologists and COs and um, sort of looked at what the science was doing and looked at what the, the weather conditions were doing and um, lo- looked at what the topography was doing. And um, at the end of all that, sort of dealing with um, huge country like that, we, we still you still just don't know. So we're trying to for, form a story, imagine a story, imagine a film. But until you actually get out there, uh, it's impossible to know what what's going to happen or what could happen. And um, so I, I remember just being eager to let that story unfold and see and see where it all went. And uh, as as we're saying now, it, whatever we thought it was going to be, it, it wasn't that. And, um, you know, I think that's a, a, a good and honest takeaway from any any sort of trip like this. Um, I, w- I wouldn't even consider doing a trip like this without a experienced crew where we've got the right gear and where we're, we're ready to make some good decisions when we need to and use our judgment when we need to. And I, I think we're effective in that way. But um, as I said before, you, you change one or two very small things and the difference between being, being comfortable and um, being delayed and being in a legit survival situation um, uh, roll, roll in a lower limb injury or something like that. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a very slight difference. So I, I come away with that same, you know, real high respect for um, the, the natural world and, and big country and not, not, not ever, not ever really um, knowing what's going on. We, we can do all the preparation. We can be educated and be prepared, but um, it's the, that, that country is going to decide what it wants to do with you. Yeah, I think you said something along the lines of like the mountains are like provide the mystery and the unknown, and and we're you know that was kind of what we walked into is uh, definitely um, we're 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 put to the task by the mountains there and and the country, and definitely learned some lessons about hanging out in the Cassiers, which is yeah, definitely. Hey, Alex. I, so so the other big question that we started was like, what are we going to make a movie about? And and obviously, you know there. We we haven't produced anything yet with the footage, but uh, what are your thoughts on the on the sort of where things ended up with our with our ambitions to make a some type of a a, a, a video or film of it? Well, I mean, looking back at it now, I mean, I think respect to some of the documentaries and hunting shows that I've seen, um, it's a huge production. You know, I don't feel like we. We have a story. It's an interesting story, but I don't think we got enough uh, footage, I guess. And that's a big part on on me for sure, as far as like, you know, how, how the trip unfolded. Uh, I think I would have loved to have got more storm footage, but at the same time, we were, we were pretty locked in, you know. I think uh, I, I would love to try it again, you know. Like, I think I've, I've learned a lot and I think I would approach it a little differently. And I think of those early days when we had this incredible open sky, endless tundra and these, these, these vistas and just reviewing some of the still photos that we looked at in the last few days. I mean, going from that into, you know, the, the Mach 10 storm that we dealt with for three days, it was, it was unreal. The, The contrast, I guess. So I guess every, adventure is going to be different and and you're not going to you're not going to nail it every time just like hunting you're not going to have full success every time you go out but it, it's a learning curve you know it's you're learning and you're you're having 
an experience, I guess, every time. So uh, I think if you can come away with that with a little bit more knowledge and, and sort of sort of like, uh, you know, work off that into the next round, I guess, or the next season, I think that's, I think that's a good thing. I'm honestly motivated to, to try something like that again. You know, it was, it was a first for me as a filmmaker. So um, there's some great sound bites. There's some great, you know, there's some great, uh, great shots essentially, but they're like rounded out into a story. I think it, it is more of a written story or a, a podcast like we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There was a, there was a great, um, I mean, the, fir- the first thing for sure was that like, I have to say like going from, we had that one bluebird day that we were able to roll across the tundra and see all kinds of game. And we had this great day together and, and it was really hard to recover from, from that amazing day to what the trip ended up just from a, I mean, on, 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 on the hunting perspective, on the storytelling perspective, like just wanting to capture that, the, the, how beautiful this place was in through our video storytelling somehow and also just being able to hunt it and, 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 and pursue animals and, and see what we could do with all that. I mean, that was really hard to come down from that high that we were on after that first day uh, of, of, of really exploring to then being stuck in a tent and, 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 and also what amounted to be like, you know, feeling like we were at risk of dying for a few days and, and I think it was Clay or something like that, like that said this. But I was like, I was like, man, why didn't we think to like, like, like pivot and make a movie about surviving a storm? And like, I think it was, it was you, Clay, that was like, yeah, it's not exactly like you're like, hey, we're about to die. Let's make a movie about it. Like nobody decided that that was the, that was the logical <laughs> next step. No, the logical next step was to fucking hang on to the pole. So it doesn't bend and shatter and hold down the tent and then put the, you know, rocks on the pegs on the outside and like, you know, take turns, like, you know, yeah, just trying to stay alive. And we would have needed like two more bodies to really like capture that story. Cause we were all working to, to, to get by. So. We yeah. got some like Blair Witch style iPhone content, like in the middle of the storm there, <laughs> trying to sort of keep ourselves entertained in the middle of the night there, holding that tent down. Don't yeah. know if it would cut very well with, you know, Alex's epic uh, scenery shots he's got. Beautiful landscape shots. Well, what we should do if we if uh, you know, maybe building on this and we're, we're going to get out there with this podcast or this trilogy and play story, we should just put together a little, uh, a little bit of a, you know, story of the, of what we did get and, and some of the beautiful scenes. Cause I mean, the, it, it was a spectacular place. And, and as much as just sharing the, the imagery with our friends and family and people who are closest to us, probably enjoyed just seeing some of that stuff. So we should get on that. Okay. So I'm curious just to go around and like, you know, like I'm curious two two questions and we'll, and we'll wrap up here with two questions. So, one is like you know what is the thought that you come you come back to the most about this trip, and you know where where does it what what does that look like that thought or that 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 memory that you have that has been with you here for for over a year now and then, uh, would you do this trip again or would you do a trip with this team on an adventure again and and uh, and uh, what is that what what are some initial thoughts about that if if you're keen so um, I'm gonna start with you Clay. 
Uh, I'm going to go down to you. What are your initial, what are some of the, the, the key, most keen memories and uh, next trips opportunities? Sure. Thanks, Dylan. Um, I, I, I come back just to, I think, the the, the overall com- like complexity of the whole deal, right? So I, I still am processing the play between um, just the, uh, the awesomeness of the trip, like how could a trip that was so awesome and so beautiful, as you say, like, and as the footage shows, as Alex's shots show and as our photography shows, such an incredibly beautiful um, uh, experience that, that so quickly transitioned into something, you know, r- radically different. So the the the, uh, the film program ended shortly after the hunting trip ended, and there we are for another six days. But I, I really associate the trip with, uh, with, with just um, something that is awesome, right? It's an experience that I really value. I would, I would, I would rank it at one of my like, most favorite hunting trips ever. Um, and to me, that it, that's a weird. There's a there's a weird complexity that because it's play between something that is inherently dangerous and that is like a a legit survival situation, but yet that was also um, so much fun for us. You know, being inside that tent for hours and days and feeling pretty secure about the the equipment that we had and the crew that we had and the decisions that we were making. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm stoked to go back. I, I would say without any hesitation whatsoever, I'd go with the same crew again, for sure. This August, um, I'll, I'm ready to book a ticket today. Uh, if COVID wasn't holding us up. Um, uh, so I, I would, I would for sure do it again and, um, would like to see, you know, see the, the long version of that trip again with, with the same understanding that it, it, whatever we think it is, is probably not going to be that if we go in and there, go in there, you know, expecting, expecting stormy weather and having a literal interpretation of uh, the forecast, you know, probably the mountains are going to dish out something different. So I think that's where a lot of the enjoyment is and a world that sort of prides itself on efficiency and predictability and control and metrics. Like that's what I love about these kind of trips is going out there and kind of not knowing what's going to happen and um, giving up a little bit of that control and being, being with good people and being in the moment. So I, I love it. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a weird sort of love, but uh, you know, I just had a great time and I'm uh, grateful to you, Dylan, for um, putting it all together. Right on. So pull bender two, you're in. Okay. Hey, so Rye, how about your same same questions? What do you think most about when you think back on it? And uh, what about doing something like this or this again? Well, yeah, first, of, of course, I would do something like this again. And of course, I would do it with you guys again. I mean, sort of, I think we all said that through the course of the trip and, you know, on the way home and subsequently since then. I mean, it couldn't have been a better sort of group to go through what we went through, you know, having a couple of really amazing days at the front end having some really sort of edgier seat, exciting storm nights. And then these sort of doldrums of hunting on the back end there, we were just sort of stuck and just being able to sort of feel safe and comfortable the whole time. And you know, that everybody's doing what they can and they have each other's backs and just feeling, you know, comfortable with everybody. Everybody's doing what they can to keep everybody safe. And, And at the same time, we were still having fun. I mean, there was, you know, of course, you know, five days in a tent, there's going to be a couple low points and you know people will feel a little bummed at a few points but overall we we managed to keep each other you know entertained and laughing and joking and really having a great time so that's just sort of testament to the crew that we had right just feeling safe and and having a good time so wouldn't hesitate to go again and wouldn't hesitate to go again with you guys that's for sure um but yeah i mean sort of the highlights and you know, when you sort of leave that trip, there is a little bit of disappointment, 
right at the front end of that trip being over. I mean, like we've said, there's a lot of planning. You know, I had never done a big trip like this before. And, you know, I don't know how many opportunities I'm going to have to do big trips like that in my life. Right. So I was pretty excited at the front end to even go on a trip like that. And there's a lot of planning and preparation and you have all these, you know, ideas on how it's going to go. And of course, like Clay said, the, the mountains and the wilderness are always going to change those plans on you. And, you know, you spend enough time out there, you, you know that, but you still have this preconceived notion, regardless of how well you know that wilderness will throw stuff at you. And so when that sort of gets taken away a little bit, and especially those just those first few incredible days where we're seeing lots of game and the scenery was, you know, unbelievable to, you know, not having a crack at any of those games or only one crack that didn't, didn't pan out and going home empty handed, which, you know, we've all experienced before on lots of other hunting trips, but for whatever reason, this one stung a little bit more at the front, you know, right at the end of the trip. But as you sort of, the year goes on and you get to reflect on a trip like this, you just get to appreciate it more and more as you sort of look back on the adventure we had and the experience we had, the camaraderie the things I did get to witness and see, you know, in those first few days and then just witnessing the power of the storm itself. And I don't know, when you have time to reflect on it, you just think the whole thing was fantastic. I don't think there's any one particular point. I mean, even the days sitting there watching the OJ thing is still, you know, a <laughs> fond memory to think back on at this point, right? Where at the time it may not have seemed as fond in the moment, but now yeah. you look back and it just the whole package was just a real cool adventure and experience regardless. So. Awesome, Ry. Um, how about you, Alex? What are your, what's your, what memory do you carry with you, and, and would you do something like this again? Yeah, guys, I mean, those are really well-spoken points. I mean, it, it was an expedition, and that is super special. Like, I don't think many people get to experience an expedition. Uh, I think we've all been fortunate to um, have these longer trips, whether it be hunting or hiking what have you, but I think getting away from everything for more than a weekend or a long weekend, you know, I think is, is super important. And I encourage more people to do it because I mean, it, it's like a long novel, you know, like you've got the road trip to get to your, to your end point. Uh, we were able to fly into a remote location. We were on our own essentially. I mean, InReach was there, but we were we were on our own for nine plus days, and I think that's pretty special. I don't, I, I feel really grateful to be able to do these types of trips, and uh, yeah, I think they have a huge value. There's there's such an emotional sort of up and down that can happen, whether it be missing your family or the ups and downs of the hunt or the weather or the conditions, whatever it might be. But I think like Ryan says, you know, like a year later in reflection. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty powerful sort of memories and ones that you won't forget essentially. So I think, yeah, of course, like these types of trips, um, I'm keen on essentially. And I would definitely, I would definitely do something with you three guys again, for sure. I would, uh, I would switch it up a little bit on my end to be more efficient, but I think, uh, yeah, I would love to capture more footage and, uh, and maybe, uh, have success in the hunt as well. I think that was a, that was sort of my sort of disappointment, I guess. 
because uh, in my limited hunting experience, I've had pretty good success. So <laughs> it was like really 10 days out and, and nothing to show for it on that end. But hey, that's, that is part of it. You have to, you have to learn from that for sure. Totally. Well, that's, it's, I, I'm quite pleased to hear that, you know, for the most part, you guys, oh, well, you know, I, I had a little bit of guilt, you know, being the guy that sort of rallied the troops and came up with this concept. And, you know, for, for, for all of you, like, especially the three of you with families and the value of time away from family is like, you know, I, I recognize you know, how, how challenging that is to, for your, for your, for your respective partners and, and for your kids and, and, and also just for your, you know, you, you, you the, the disposable income for a family you saw just, just there's so much, only so much disposable time and income for a family and to dedicate that to a trip like this to go on an adventure and one that I sort of you know was all excited about and talked you into doing and then and then for it to you know I, you know ultimately it was a bust I mean it was we got weathered out and we came home with no game and and I almost killed you and you know on all three fronts I was feeling pretty shitty <laughs> so it's kind of nice to sit here a year later and and you know, and everybody has a sort of positive reflection on, on on what that trip meant meant to them, and and I, I appreciate that. And it, it you know, I I kind of knew partly that story, you know, in the back of my mind that you know, at the end of the day, we're all adventurers, and that's this is an adventure, and you know, that's the value for all of us. But still, nice to hear that from you. So I appreciate you sharing that those positive thoughts, and and um, I'll, you know, and just to you know, I the day for me that was the the memory I go back to is that the day the four of us went walking across the tundra and we could just see like the part that was so awesome was that we could just see like in every direction, other adventures that, you know, it's like, if we weren't here, we could be over there. And if we weren't you know, over there, we could be over there and maybe we should drift that river. Or maybe we should climb up to those Hills and maybe that's a sheep, sheep hill or maybe like, and just the endless possibilities of, you know, adventures from that viewpoint of that day of rolling across the, 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 uh, the tundra. And that was like, yeah, like I, I was just like, this is, and I, and I, I think that really is like, you know, I, I was so excited to have more days like that with you guys that had how amazing that would be. And so I guess that's to answer the question, the second half is like, I want to go back and have that same trip, whether it's that same spot or somewhere near there with you guys. Cause I felt like we missed out on having some spectacular days together in that environment where putting together a hunt or pursuing an animal or packing meat together. Um, yeah, I, I think that we deserve to, I think we should do it. I think, and I, and I look forward to it. I, I hope we do. And I, well, I suspect we will. So maybe after this call, we'll, uh, get talking about our next adventure with some specifics. But well, guys, we're, we're, we're coming up on an hour and, uh, I really appreciate you guys taking an hour out of your evenings to come and, 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 you know, just sort of chit chat about how things went and, and reconnect on, on this trip, which was a, which was an awesome trip. And um, yeah, I want to thank you all for, and, and your families for, for making it happen. And um, yeah, well, I guess we'll get started on talking about the next adventure. So, Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us on this three part podcast of the pull Bender adventure. Hope you enjoyed it and learned a little bit about adventure trip planning and some of the perils that can come with these types of adventures. And hopefully you take the precautions and do the planning ahead of time to ensure that uh, you stay safe and warm and, and, and get the right gear ahead of time and have the right comms, communication devices. And uh, 
ultimately leave a trip plan with uh, someone that uh, is responsible that can help in that communication aid that that Rob did for us and uh, yeah and just be safe out there so all right hope you uh, catch uh, the rest of our eat wild stuff we have a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube we're doing uh, live webinars on how to be a better hunter or how to be a good hunter and um, you can if COVID sorts itself out here we'll be doing uh, uh, more in-class or in-person workshops and getting together and having fun and doing cool events together so all right all the best see ya